Okay, Bokatov. Today's staff is Chaf Zayin, 27. And we pick up um, at the bottom of Chaf Avamatbet. Briefly view some of the uh, important things we said over Shabbos, because the Gemara here is, is discussing which type of um, men are included, are part of this uh, prohibition, uh, category of Sota in terms of who her husband could be and who the suspected adulterer could be. Um, and the theme that we saw yesterday over Shabbat, which is just so central, is the uh, focuses on the Zera, which appears a number of times. It says, Venikasa Venizra al Zara, she'll be cleansed and give forth a seed. It says, Veshachavi Shosa Shechvat Zera, a man slept with her, a sleeping of seed. And we pointed out at that time, the point of the Ramban, that a lot of the uh, uh, jealousy is, of the Sota might be fueled by the man's uh, deep seated um, concern concern or anxiety over whether his wife not just is sleeping with another man but is impregnated by another man whether he'll be raising another man's children and hence the emphasis on Zera. We pointed out that the um in a way, um, something I don't think I pointed out before, but that the whole uh, um, uh, ritual of Sota, or the effect of the water, right, if she's cleansed, she gives forth a seed, um, and if she's not, what happens is that the water goes into her and makes her belly swell, which is a type of a perverse, you know, pregnancy. So there's a concern about whose seed is in her, and the water becomes almost a type of a liquid going in, in the sort of, to the same place through the opposite orifice, like in the opposite direction and if she's guilty it has this uh, it creates this perverse type of Zara and if she's innocent then it's Vinikasa Vinizra al Zara and that she actually has a child which the Gemara discussed yesterday but if she was uh, if she was uh, sterile now she's pregnant if she had a hard time giving birth to children she has an easier time of giving birth to children so the question becomes right the question becomes what's the halachic significance of that so interestingly on the one hand we found out that even if a woman is uh, a current or Zikena, sterile, she still could be in the Parsha of Sota, even though there would be no chance she would be pregnant. Uh, the only question was an island is who was more seen as categorically excluded, and even that was debated. Um, on the other hand, even if the, uh, that's uh, not on the other, similarly, meaning what we wind up doing is, again and again and again, we sort of bracket the significance of Zera, even though it's very dominant both in the words of the Psukim and as I've just described in the sort of uh, experience or description of the power of the ritual or the effects of the water. So on the other, so similarly, excuse me, if the husband is not able to be Mazria, he's not able to ejaculate, um, nevertheless, that doesn't affect it. So there's no, you know, the seed is sort of clearly not going to be his seed or whatever. Maybe that makes it worse. I don't know. Maybe it makes it better. At least he knows it's not his child. Anyway, by the way, none of this assumes she's pregnant. I'm just saying that when she is, has suspected of committed adultery, there's that anxiety that's lying below it. So even if the man of uh, the husband can't have Zera, we learned out. And now what we t- turned to uh, yesterday, um, uh, the Amadbet the of yesterday, was that even if the suspected adulterer can't have Zera, Shachuf, which is explained also as a man who is in a, in a, unable to be Mazria, to, to ejaculate and so on. And nevertheless, we learn from the Psukim that even though it says, that even without that, 
um, he is uh, uh, it, it is in the parsha of Sota. So in all these different ways, even if she can't have a child, even if he can't be Masriya, even if the suspected man can't be Masriya, the halacha the halacha lemaaseh brackets the significance of Zerah, which very much dominates in the psukim. So that's one series of things that we looked at yesterday, and then the other focus was okay, but who is meant by being excluded by this word of Misha Eno Ish and um, uh, it goes through a couple of possibilities um, it says it's not coming to exclude a man who can't be Masriya again connecting manhood with virility because that person is included if she's suspected of sleeping with such a man it's, it, do, it can't it come to exclude a non-Jew which would be funny to put in that phrase anyway because that person also is included if she's suspected of that she's a Sota and the final person or not even person whatever the final one who is in the category of Misha Enoish which we ended with yesterday was Behema if she's suspected of actually an act of bestiality even though of course that would be a very uh, a a very uh, you know serious sin but it would not be that uh, presumably that idea of of this you know Kitiste Ishto she's seen as though doing some perverse act but not necessarily of sort of betraying her husband husband, straying away from husband because it's not through a connection or relationship with another human being. And the last point I'll say in this Chazara, and then Michael has a question, is interestingly, it never suggested, another point I made yesterday, it never suggested Misha Enoish is a woman, um, and that is because um, for Halacha's purposes, um, uh, a gay sex, or sex between two women, let me just say it that way, sex between two women is not considered an act of sex. Halachically, the act of sex is always defined as uh, a penis penetrating either the vagina or the anus. So therefore, that's why you can have a discussion about sex between two men, not a discussion prohibition about sex between two men, but not about sex between two women because halakhically that's not defined actually um, as sex. So that doesn't become part of the suggestion. So ultimately what we're left with is behema here because that actually can be, okay, it's not a human penis, but it still is defined um, as the act of sex. Uh, and one thing, final thing I should point out this is that uh, uh, my colleague uh, Rabbi Shmuel Hertzfeld showed me that there's some that there was some Achron I don't remember who it is uh, I don't remember the date but anyway who basically maybe it was even I don't know anyway who basically wanted to say that Misha no Ish also included like a shade um, which is <laughs> which is which is interesting because it was a question about a woman whose husband was away and then she was pregnant and she said she'd become impregnated by a shade so <laughs> with the fact that this Misha no Ish get her out of the problem uh, at least that was her claim but it was a type of a claim that could only have been accepted in a society in which believed that it was possible right so in that type of place well okay it's Enoish and that's somehow a way of allowing her to continue to live with her husband yes so just trying to understand like, in the normal case assuming she's guilty as no zechut she wouldn't explode but she would just basically die um, like, well, that's not clear that she would. What do you mean? If she's guilty, she she's would her, guilty. her 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 belly would yeah. swell. Whether that would lead uh, immediately or over time to her death is never spelled out explicitly in the in the in the uh, psukim, and not even clear in the uh, Gemara. Right? If you remember, the Gemara said, "Get her out so she doesn't make the Azar become Tamei." But the Gemara explained that was about Nida. So they didn't necessarily even think she would die according to the Gemara. Saying. Correct. Okay. Um, and then in, in the case of. We said that you can do make a so to a man who cannot have kids, a sterile man can go through the whole process with his wife and she has yeah. a drink. Then if she's innocent, then what would be her racha? She can't, she can't have kids from him anyway. Well, that's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know, maybe he'd be blessed. Oh, that would be bizarre. I don't know, that's a good question. Yeah. Okay, so, so let's pick up now with our answer about the Hema. So it's almost exactly opposite where the Tosa says, Limute, I guess about 25 lines from the bottom, so we got a little bit of a, of a little, uh, Bit of a bit of a mouth to cover today. So Elimute Mai, so what is Eno Ish coming to exclude? What type of uh, of cases that she suspected of? Um, with with whom would she be suspected of that's Eno Ish that would not make her sota? I'm Ute Behema. If she suspected of an act of bestiality, I guess the Kinoi would also have to be. I don't want to see you going in private with that behema. I don't know. Anyway, the Ain's just the behema, because that's not considered fornication, which again, does not mean it's not an, a, a prohibition, right? It's Chayav Misa, an act of bestiality, but it's not in the category of Zunus. It's not normal sexuality, and it's not a normal type of an act, that is, she's Mizaneh, she, you know, uh, uh, cheats on her husband. It would not be seen in the same way. Where do you know that this is not considered to be an act of Zunus? Whatever this is, this is a bizarre act, but it's not an act of Zenus. Okay. Um, um, so, Tchif, thank you so much. Do not be an Esnanzona, a gift that was given to a prostitute. Um, so, if a person paid a prostitute with a sheep, that, then that sheep cannot be used as a korban. And Mechir Kelev is if a sheep was exchanged for a dog, it can't be used as a korban. Although the Pashtani, although scholars say that Mechir Kelev might refer to actually the money paid to a male prostitute and it might be a euphemism. But that's not the Gemara's point right now. Um, the Tanya, Esnan Kelev Mechir Zona, however, if it was money given for uh, sleeping with a dog or it was a money exchanged with a Zona, which is a little funny, how do you, how do you buy a Zona with money? So actually sort of says talking about selling, for example, a slave woman for the purpose of Zunus. In those Karis, Mutarim, they're not prohibited in the base of Mikdash. Shenever gam shenehem, the two of them, shnayim below arba, only those two. So since there is no concept of esnan kelev, money paid for sleeping with a dog, it's not labeled as sort of, you know, sort of uh, money paid for sex. So you see that it's not considered to be zinus. It's a obviously a prohibited act, you know, but it is not considered in the same category of like sexual sin in the same way, right? Interesting question, for example, you know, what exactly does it mean it's not zinus? What halacha is zinus? Right? So, and for our case, the question would be whether that makes it considered like a betrayal of the husband, right? Nobody's saying you're not chayv misa for it, okay? But to say there's not a concept of esnan, esnan kelev means what? That it's not considered, that has nothing to do with a husband, that's money paid for a prostitute or whatever. So what does that have to do? That means that it's not considered some type of a sexual act, it's some weird act, but it's not a sexual act. What about, is it yehar zayav or is it in the, is it in the Gilui Arayas category, right? So what exactly is the meaning that it's not Zunus? What's the halachic meaning of that? Is not fully spell out, spelled out. Um, I think that that's debated. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. The Ela Sheikh Lamali. So Sheikh Vadzera is not coming to exclude a man who cannot be Mazria, suspected of a man who's unable to be Mazria, is still in the category. What is it, its purpose, right? I mean, it's factor so centrally, and we've basically completely bracketed it halachically. So what's its significance? So Mibayle Lichetetanya, what we're talking about, Brysa. Sheikh Vadzera, Pratla Davar Acher. 
Oh, that's coming to exclude a different thing. That was helpful. My davarachir. What's this other thing? Amar sheishes pratu shakina la shalokidarka. Let's say he said, I don't want you to have you sleep with this man in with uh, uh, through an act of anal sex. Okay. So in that case, and that's what he was suspected of. So that wouldn't be shichvat zera because it, so what we're saying is the act. The man doesn't have to be able to be a zria, but it has to be vaginal sex, a type of a physical act that under other circumstances could lead to pregnancy as opposed to an act of sex which is normally in all other areas of halakha defined as sex anal sex but it's not an act that could ever lead to pregnancy that somehow is, a, is an excluded act of sex yes anyway I mean it's seclusion it's right. no seclusion yeah. for one kind of sex so apparently what we are learning is is that, is that the keynote could be not just don't go into seclusion with him but I don't want I, yeah I mean if you look at Rashi I agree normal keynote don't go into seclusion but if you look at Rashi where as Rashi says I'll kiss the first wide line at the bottom I'll History emo he by el shalokadarka. I don't want to see you go in seclusion for the purpose of having anal sex. Right? I don't know. Let's say who knows? Let's say it's some other case where it was impossible for her to have vaginal sex. So the only thing she was suspected of what? constructing those. Yes, I right. Anyway, let's try to imagine that if that was the only possible act. Okay. Now the importance of that would still be that there that the only basis of excluding that because halachically that's an act of sex the only basis of excluding that is that we still think that Sheikh Fadzera is significant so somehow still in a broader categorical way rather than in a very specific case but nevertheless it still is playing a role let's see if the Gemara accepts it which it does not so how many Rava so Rava said Shalok Tadarka what that type of sex the sleepings of a woman and that teaches us that there are two types of acts, acts that are defined as sex vaginal and anal so therefore he says there is no way that it would be excluded so what your hap was playing out in the Gemara is can we have this idea of Shechot Zerah to have any real, you know, um, uh, role here? At the end of the day, we're saying that's really irrelevant, and since it's defined as an act of sex, and it's an act of adultery, and so on, we're going to completely bracket the significance of Shechot Zerah, even to limit us to act of sex A rather than B. No, it can't play any role, since halachically those are the same from the perspective of adultery, they're going to be the perspe- same from the perspective of the Parsha of Sota. Again, sort of, you know, marginalizing the idea that the concern of marginalizing the idea that the concern of another man's seed is at all relevant. So the Gemara says, what, Ella, what, what, what was that question? Where's that Pasuk? As the Harlot Yitzchav. Right, right, by that, right, exactly. So, which is funny, because in that context, there's only one act yeah. of sex, but the fact that that's considered a sleeping of a woman, the anal sex of two men, shows you that that's considered, right, an act of sex. El Amarava, Evarim. Ah, what he said was, don't have even any form of no sex problem. without, like, you know, with the oral or manual, any, you know, through the limbs, which are not, which are not anal or vaginal. Okay, so that's the case that's being excluded. So, Amalei Abayi, Abayi said, that you need the Pasuk to exclude. That's not an act of adultery. Pritsusa Da'almahi. That's just an act of, uh, of, uh, what is 
sexual looseness, what? Licentiousness, thank you. And that's not forbidden. Now, it doesn't mean, is it not forbidden? Not forbidden for a man to sleep with a married woman, you know, or not sleep with, to have oral sex with a married woman, but it is not halachically act of adultery. Whatever it is, okay, it might be a chastishir, it might be whatever, I'm serious, you know, but, but nevertheless, it is not the act of adultery, and therefore, it would not make her forbidden to her husband, and therefore, we're taking it for granted that you didn't need the pasuk, the word of of, of uh, to exclude that. We're, doing, we're being very formalistic right now, right? Rather than thinking that Sot is something different, emerging from his jealousy and therefore maybe a focus on Zera, you know, because then if it's emer- the flip side is it's emerging from his jealousy, it could have included that I don't care whether it's technically, you know, this type of sex or that type of sex. I don't want to be doing anything with this guy, right? But we're, no, we're being like, we're excluding both a broader and a narrower category and we're being very, you know, formalistic that it's only what is halachically defined as adultery. Anything that's either like, that's either you know broader than that or narrower than that is not part of, is not the discussion. So 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 therefore it doesn't matter. Why should you need a pasuk? That's not technically an act of adultery. Ah, no. Here's the case where the concern is, or his warning was about nashika. Now, nashika does not mean kissing. Nashika is a euphemism. Whatever it means, what is defined now? Again, that we're being very definitional here about the what's defined as an act of adultery or an act of sex in all areas of halacha. So it is considered to be the puzzle constantly uses the, the word which it says. It says et mikorah era. He exposed her nakedness. So what it's, so the, the halachic word is ha'ara. So what's ha'ara? So ha'ara, there's two definitions. One is ha'chnasa the very entering in of the tip of the penis into the vagina. And the other is nishika, which is the, literally the kissing of the genitals, which is the putting of the penis basically against, like, you know, the vaginal lips and so on. So, um, again, the whole lips idea, you know, is sort of the, the, the metaphor of nishika. So, um, so therefore he's saying, ah, so that's what it's excluding. It's excluding when it's just Nishika of the, of the, of the uh, genitals. So the Gemara says, um, Fine, that's, we would understand that, that that's not an act of sex. So that's consistent with the idea that Ha'ara is the entering in of the, of the crown. Aval Nishika of Loklumi. And therefore, but Nishika is not an act of sex. That's why it's excluding it. But if I is that is the, 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 the kissing of the genitals so Michael Amemer so why would the Pasuk be excluding it it is defined as an act of sex so by the way interesting Tosa says I don't understand I would have said the opposite I would have said if normally it is considered an act of sex then you could understand why the Pasuk needed to exclude it whereas if it's not normally invite an act of sex then you why did the Pasuk need to exclude it it was already excluded but again what it's the being completely consistent about is its refusal to think that Sota is any different than any other other time, any other way in which we would define the act of sex or act of adultery. So there's no way in which the parameters of his jealousy or whatever would be broader or narrower than what the actual act of adultery is defined of in all other areas. So completely, again, this really gets back, everything gets back to that first mission, the discussion on the first staff, which is how much is this about his jealousy and how much is this about an objective, sort of based in concern that he committed adultery. Right? And the fact that the Gemara 
idea of completely refusing to make it about zera, to make it broader, to make it narrower, to make it about any type of thing he might be concerned about, and completely saying we have to apply the classic categories, is taking his subjectivity completely out of it. But let's see what the final answer is. Such a like rich stuff here right now. Um, so the Gemara says, Michael, so the Gemara says, La'olam l'shekino l'adarchevan. Back to what we said before. He's not concerned that she's actually having intercourse, but other forms like you know anal or vaginal, but other forms of sex or sexual activity. Umal detema b'tseida debal tali rachmana. Now it goes exactly to that. This is exactly why I needed shechvazera to exclude it because I might have said not what Abai said pitzusa ba'alma. Fine pitzusa ba'alma, but this is v'kinei show. So I might have reasonably thought that this type of jealousy is included because he doesn't like it and it's a form of sexual activity. So even if it's not technically adultery, maybe he's entitled. B'tseida debal tali milsa. Maybe he's entitled to be jealous about this. And here, he's angry about this. That that doesn't matter. That even if he's jealous, if it's not actually an act of adultery, Sheikh Vazera tells us it's not included. So at the end of the day, what Sheikh Vazera wound up telling us is not, again, like the Ramban said, that there's a special role here of his anxiety around another man's seed. And it's not telling us that it's, you know, and it's not, and therefore we would exclude cases where the other man couldn't be, couldn't be Mazri or he couldn't have children or whatever. And at the other hand, it's also not telling us, it, it, what it is telling us, actually, what it is telling us is to exclude cases where he's concerned even beyond normal acts of sex. So at the end of the day, Shechazera winds up where we sort of, once the dust settles, we wind up saying that Sota is no different than any, it, all, the only things that fall into Sota are things that in the rest of the Torah fall within the f- narrow definition of adultery. Not broader, not narrower, exactly that narrow definition. So if he can't be Masri, it doesn't matter, it's still an act of sex. And if it's things that aren't an act of sex, it doesn't matter because it's not adultery, it's only things that are defined as adultery. Which, by the way, gets back, I'll just remind people that the whole central issue here around Zera played out, I mentioned this before, but it's worth me mentioning, in the debate between Rav Moshe and the Yetzirah about the permissibility of artificial insemination using another man's semen. So Rav Moshe said, like, fine, it's able to do pervu, whatever, you're able to have children. And the Yetzirah and, and the, the said, no, it's like, it's kimat, it's like adultery, and the children are, are, are kimat, they're mamzerim, because basically, Rav Moshe said, what do you mean? Like, there's no, they didn't actually talk to one another. I'm reconstructing this. Like, the Gemara reconstructs debates that never happened. Anyway, so, so Rav Moshe said, there's no act of sex. There's no manzeris. There's no adultery without an act of sex. And the other says, no, the Ramban says, Shikhvatzera, that a central part to the concern of adultery or the act of adultery is another man's zera. So even if it's without an act of sex, and that would even be related to the idea of mamzeris. So Moshe basically said, oh, that's such a trace non-Jewish idea. So he, said, <laughs> he says, I only paskin based on like, you know, values that are from within the Torah. I don't know about people that get these values from outside of the Torah. So it's very bizarre. What do you mean outside of the Torah? I mean, it says Sheikh Lazar, the Ramban says that's what's going on. But what Moshe might have been saying is, that's all very nice, but since when are we Karaites or Pashkanim, Halacha completely brackets the meaning of Sheikh Lazarah. Just seen in our daf, it completely neutralized any meaning of shechvat zera. So that's why Rav Moshe is able to say, if you, all you have is zera and you don't have sex, it's not relevant. Yeah. So on the other hand, then raises the bar for an executable offense of adultery so high that you know you can see them under the covers. You know, that's true. Doing that. Okay, that's true. It's very hard to it's very hard to execute people. Baruch Hashem. Also, I mean, yes. Uh, not that you get there, but like you know, in terms of what gay sex is considered, right? If it's you know, all these other things apparently are not sex. Right. Yeah. That is true. 
um, at least for the for the high for the chiyav misa whatever. Yeah, Amar Shmuel Yisa Adam. Now here it does get an interesting transition because you know we've been talking very much within this formal category of who's a sota. But what about people women that aren't technically a sota, but like okay, but there's still questions and suspicions, and what does it do to the marriage? So if you remember about two dapim ago, we dealt with a case about a woman who's overis aldas, and whether that the husband is allowed to sort of forgive, you know, not forgive, forgo that and they continue to live together does it require him does she have to be warned does it require him to divorce her so it's, so it's interesting when we're also dealing with related phenomenon that aren't technically sota so similarly we have a very interesting discussion right here Amr Shmuel Yisa Adam Duma Val Yisa Bat Duma a man should more be prepared to marry a woman who is gossiped about and not her daughter okay so there's a married woman people are go- gossip about her that she's oh, oh she sleeps around this and that no, obviously no evidence it's just gossip and the question is now she gets divorced or I don't know or is widowed okay so would you be more prepared to marry such a woman or such a woman's daughter like most people aren't marrying marrying her or her daughter because of the suspicions you Nebuch I don't know are a guy that's having a hard time finding a wife okay and so which of these two would be preferable you know for, for, to, to marry so Shmuel says so Rashi says you look at Rashi so people are making like claims and talking, gossiping about her on her about her acts of adultery. The, 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 the talking of your city has come out, has like risen, risen, gotten into you. There, in that case, it wasn't suspicions. Just like, uh, you know, uh, yakking away. That was the opposite, that people were talking about a certain woman because how dear she was. Also also means just excessive talk and chatter. Okay, so therefore Kalsa can sometimes mean praise, but can sometimes mean, normally it means praise. Anyway, okay, meaning gossip? Okay, so okay. So anyway, so better to... Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Anyway, better to marry such a woman. Now, halachically, the point is that the mother... If she committed adultery, you're not the man suspected of having committed adultery with her because then you would know. Uh, <laughs> uh, so basically, the point is is that now the husband died, you want to marry her, so halachically she's not forbidden, right? Okay, so maybe she'll be, at most she did commit adultery and she's forbidden to her husband and to the other guy, right? Anyway, it's just gossip. But even if it's true, she's not forbidden to you. Okay, her daughter, on the other hand, if it might be a mamzeret, okay? So... Which one of them is it better to marry? The woman with questionable character, okay, uh, or fidelity. Now, it's interesting. Rashi says the reason you don't want to marry such a woman, Rashi turns it very halachic. The reason you don't want to marry such a woman the is, adulteress? the suspected adulteress is, that then she'll commit adultery once you're married to her and you won't know about it and then you'll wind up being over because you'll be sleeping with her when she'll be usher to you. So, like, I would think before you got to that, there'd be reasons why you wouldn't want to marry a woman who might commit adultery. Anyway, so the question is, so, um, so there's one which the woman is questionable character I would say that that's the bigger concern than any halachic problem that will emerge and the other is a questionable mamzera so which one should you better wait, better to marry so Amr Shmuel Yis Adam Duma better to marry her Val Yis Abat Duma Shezuba Mitipak Shera this woman came from a 
valid seed, um, so she her status is okay. The daughter might be a mamzeris. Now, even there. He's framing it more in value terms than in halachic terms, right? To call her, she's a Suffolk Mamzeris, you wouldn't say keep up It sounds more like it's the question, you know, like everybody asks, like, why did, why did Avram want to send his, uh, you know, servants over there to, uh, uh, to Aram Narayim? You know, but was it basically like, oh, well, he knew the people of the town and they had good character? Or was it more like, no, he basically just, you know, was something a little bit more like, uh, you know, race-based or whatever? I mean, that's not the right word. But anyway, you know, believing that in certain types of people, biologically are more, you know, better people. So a similar type of a question here, I think. It's a question about, if you wanted to frame it not halachically, it's a question about observed character or or possible character. And the other part, like, who are you, you know, like, uh, what's, you know, what's your... Uh, uh, but, you know, because uh, the word I'm looking for, which isn't race and isn't biology. But anyway, you know, the question about, you know, about, uh, like, like the people, what? Yeah, no. Like, like, like the attitude of people that, like, don't like Gayrim because they're not naturally born Jews. Not because of any concern about, you know. So, it's a, I guess it's race. Anyway. <laughs> Nativists, maybe. Anyway, maybe. I've tried to maybe look for a better, a nicer word than race, but maybe that's it. Anyway, it's not exactly race here, but the point is, is that like, is, is character the problem, or somehow, you know, metaphysically, born of a trace union, you know, is deeper metaphysical issue in the soul of this, you know, child than the question of the character of the mother. So, you know, I would have said it again, like character versus halachically mamzeres, but the phrase keep psula seems to speak more about like, the nature of the soul will be corrupt because it came from such a union. Okay. That's true. Okay, so anyway, he says better to marry the mother. Rashi, what does Rashi say? Well, I got to tell you, I didn't understand Rashi because Rashi says, Rashi says, right, the Zubami Biapsula, first of all, Rashi says, um, um, first of all, he doesn't say Kipapsula, so he had a different Girsa, number one, right? So Kipapsula more emphasizes the, uh, you know, again, like the, 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 the soul that was created through the conception. Right, so the other thing I don't understand about Rashi is Shema Meovit Kuchavim Mamzer. What does Rashi mean? Who cares if the uh, uh, Who cares if the man she slept with was a non-Jew or a Mamzer? The child is a Mamzer, right? So, like Rashi seems to say, no. The question is that the semen of the man who impregnated her might be problematic, right? What do you mean? I mean, maybe in the way, way Rashi is re- maybe that's actually an answer. I didn't understand Rashi. What do you mean? Maybe the child, if he slept with another man, the child is a Mamzeres. So maybe again, that's the point. It's, it's not just the halachic issue of the child being a Mamzeres. The father might be somebody who you don't know, you know, what the, uh, you know, who the father is. And the father might be somebody who's a, of a bad seed. So again, it's very interesting. It's not the question of halachic mamzeres versus character of the mother. It's character of the mother versus biology of the girl, you know, and the, meta, and you know, what that does to her character at a deep metaphysical level. Okay? Okay, so that's what uh, Shmuel says. No, better to marry the daughter. There's no reason to suspect the daughter. She has a chazak of being sheirah. And the mother, though, is suspected of committing adultery. Now, of course, halachically, that's bizarre. And some of the posts can point out. What do you mean? The mother started off, she was kasher. And you, don't, you have a suspicion whether she committed adultery. So she has a cheskas kashras. The daughter well, hasn't been born yet. And the daughter was born under a cloud of suspicion. So the daughter, Dafka, doesn't have 
Chazkas Kashmir. She might be a Mamzeris. You never knew that she started with an acceptable status. But again, that's looking at it halachically, looking at it in terms of character. It's like, you know, if they're gossiping about the mother, whatever she, probably there's something going on. I mean, maybe if she didn't commit adultery, but there's, you know, clearly questions about her character. The daughter, there's no questions about the daughter's character. So halachically, as a Mamzeris, is a different question. But, again, but if you focus on the issue of character, there's no questions about the daughter's character. But the Gemara thought these things, you know, like... The, the, these things somehow did transfer. You know? no, but like the daughter, the daughter might be from the, from her husband. Yeah, no, I understand. That's true. But that's the no. That's the point. The point is, if you knew the daughter, you don't know the mother committed adultery. Even if the mother committed adultery, you don't know whether the child was the child of such an act. So that's the point. Okay. All right. So there's a big question mark here, but it's a question mark on the mother's character, as opposed to a question mark on the daughter's, you know, nature of the daughter's birth. Okay. So that's the debate. Okay, so uh, Macy says the Gemara. No, um, say Adam Duma. We have a Brita. A man can marry a Duma. So you see, that proves like uh, who was it? Um, like Shmuel, that it's permissible. The question so, is, is this thing can't marry. All right, so that's what the Gemara is going to say. That's what the Gemara is going to say. So Amar Rava. So anyways, the Gemara says it seems like we're saying like Shmuel that you marry a Duma and you don't marry a Bas Duma. So Amar Rava Vitisper. Does that make sense? No, say Lichatchila. Really? Like, at, like that's top of the priority list? It's a marry a Duma? So Ella, no, what it means is, enough means, okay, if you married, it's acceptable. It doesn't mean you're allowed, you should, or whatever. So once that's true, Tani Nami Bas Duma. So we're not saying a Duma over a Bas Duma. We're saying, to the other, if you married, it's acceptable. You're not going to pass all the, the, the way at wedding. So the same would be true about a Bas Duma. It's not telling you clearly what the preference is. The Hilchas of Aloha is, again, using the phrase Hilchas, since all we're telling is the preference, interesting phrase here. Which I think makes the most intuitive sense, right? Better marry the daughter who no suspicions were raised about her character. You might not know who her father is. You maybe she's a mamzera, so there's that whole biapsula, tipapsula question. But ultimately, there's no questions about her character, as opposed to right the al yisaduma, not the duma, that there are questions about her character. So thankfully, in the end, the Gemara goes in favor of the concern of character observed character traits rather than the concern of, you know, about uh, biology and uh, who the father is or is she a mamseres. Now here's though another reason, not just what I said, but maybe now addressing the halakhic issue. You don't have to be concerned that the daughter is a mamzer because even when a woman commits adultery, we assume that, and we know that she's committed adultery, we assume that the children are kshirim because most of the time she's still having sex with her husband, which is actually interesting because, like, you know, sometimes if a woman is having an affair, she winds up having, or I don't know, a man, whoever's having the affair, wind up having a lot less sex with their spouse. So, but the Gemara says, nevertheless, you sort of assume that even if that happened, it happened maybe a few times, it doesn't make you suspect whose child it is. Wait, if this is a, ma- a married woman, yep. An adulterous woman or what? No. If you know a woman committed adultery, you have no idea whose child she is, is bearing. You can assume it is the husband's child. Okay? So now we seem to be shifting again from the question of character um, and to the halachic question. You can marry the daughter of a woman that's being gossiped about because you can assume that the child is not a mom's there. Why Rabbi Amram? Rabbi Amram asked. 
mahu. Let's say she was very uh, uh, licentious. Um, like she, uh, you know, she, every she's like there's, there, people are gossiping about her that she's always being seen with strange men, you know, in hotels or whatever they are talking about. So what would you say there? How far would you say that you assume it's the husband's child? So Now it becomes very interesting. According to the approach that a woman only gets pregnant near when she is expecting her period, completely wrong biology, okay, right before she's expecting her period is she is not getting it's, pregnant. It's before or some round? No. Right after? Uh, well, it's, it's assumed to be right before because afterwards she's a nida. So then there's no question why that we have to be concerned that it's another man's child. Why? Because the husband doesn't know when exactly the date is that she'll have her period, which is interesting because all the Sechus Nida assumes that women have regular periods, but those are okay, but there are women who don't have regular periods, so he can't know for sure. So because he doesn't know for sure when she's getting when she's gonna have her period, he doesn't know for sure when she'll be fertile, and therefore he's not able to sort of basically make sure she doesn't leave the house. So this is very interesting. It assumes that the husband, sometimes the husband's completely ob- oblivious and everybody else knows, but it assumes that the husband is aware of these suspicions, but what can he do? He can't control his wife. Okay? But but minimally he'll make sure she doesn't like 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 he's on top like he's he's keeping his eye on her, you know, during the period when she's fertile. That gets back to the issue of doesn't want to be having another man's child. Okay? So but if it's if she doesn't he doesn't know exactly when that period is, he can't control it, so we'd have to be concerned that if she's Prutsubiotar, it might be another man's child. what is our question? Which actually is the reality. A woman only gets pregnant near the time she goes to the mikvah, although that's certainly true now that a woman goes to the mikvah about 12 days after the onset of, uh, the, of, of the uh, period, then it really is very, very close to going to the mikvah. According to the halacha of the Torah, according to the Torah, which was, uh, you know, where it was seven days after the onset, it wouldn't be so close to, but it still would be in the, in the period around that. According to that, then the husband knows when his referred period. My, what would we say? Since he knows that when she's going to be fertile, he's going to be watching her, at least for that period. Oh dear, what do we say? Keeping the fruits of the low? No, because she's very prutsa, she's very, uh, you know, uh, again, I'm missing the right word here, licentious is the word that comes to me, but that's not, I don't think the exact right word. Anyway, um, he can't control her, even though he knows when this is happening and he's aware of what she's doing, you know? She's just going to just, you know, she, she, she'll walk out on him, he can't control her. So the Gemara says, take, we don't know. Okay, so this shifted from this question of, I think fascinating, going from this question of character, a woman who observed character as opposed to the child where there's no problematically observed character, but maybe you don't know who the father is, maybe she's a mamzeris, so, but not from a halachic standpoint, from a character standpoint. In that case, we say, no, 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 the, the observed character is clearly the bigger problem. And from the halachic standpoint, though, at what stage do you start being concerned that a woman's children are not her own when there's rumors, etc., um, or even if you know she committed adultery, at what stage did that raise questions about her children? You know, that becomes a very interesting question. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you know, before we had discussions about Averica Doc, which, uh, you know, which is, all right, maybe she's not covering her hair type of thing. Right. And then he can keep her. But if she's already, you know, like the subject of all his fruits, right. not just his regular fruits, right. but would he... 
So that is discussed. So no, no, no one, like, you know, came right. So that's discussed in Yevamos. Yeah. How much concrete evidence is needed that she committed adultery? Right. You don't need the same evidence to execute her, but you know, you do need something which is called like a or Okay, witnesses of uh, unseemly actions. Right. You know, how much evidence is needed to the point where he's where it's no longer his discretion whether he can stay married to her or not, which is very relevant because there are cases where. You know, it's like, it's funny, like it comes up in different Gemaras. At the end, in Adarim, we dealt with a case where a woman says she committed adultery, and the Allah says she's not believed, which actually she is very, it's she maybe she's trying, trying to force a divorce, which is actually very helpful in dealing with a couple that wants to reconcile. Um, and the other hand, you know, you've got uh, cases where, um, like I know cases about, um, about somebody who suspected his wife of committing adultery, and he hired a private eye, and the guy went and he took like got photographs and the whole thing you know and then they decided they wanted to reconcile so that was like a lot harder to deal with right because you know because there there was like this concrete aid cure so even though nobody saw enough uh, the exact act enough that he could be like you know executed based on you know there was like you know when you see them going into a hotel to a motel together and this and that like at what stage is it like you know is that that that, that halakhically they can't stay together that's an important question yes it's also shifted from the jealousy with the sofa case now the husband's not jealous at all no, the husband divorced her. This is another, or he died. This is now another guy. Go- oh, oh, you mean in the last case, he might be jealous, but he, but he. There's nothing about Sosa here, it? Right, right. You know, the early cases was that the woman who had been suspected of committing adultery was now free. Maybe the husband, the husband either died or divorced her, and the question is, somebody else wants to marry her. But in this case, at the end, about the status of the daughter, you've got a woman who the husband knows is cheating on him, and he, there's very little he's able to do about it. Right. No raising yeah, I know. It's, you're right. It's like interesting to present that other phenomenon. Right. One, do, right. One wonders why he doesn't divorce her because he could divorce her here without a ksuva, you know. All right. The Eusha based in. The following are the ones that based in can, you know, uh, be makana for on their behalf. Um, so, Tanar Banan, Ish, it says... Ish ish kiti stay sto. Matam alomer ish ish. Why did it say a double language of ish? Rabos eshes cheresh eshes shota eshes shiamum to include the wife of a person who is not of of sound mind or cheresh a, a, a deaf mute not seen as of uh, uh, you know a, a being capable. Um, um, in these cases, v'shalach balim dina siyamur he's just not present. V'shayach chavish v'esasurin he's either overseas or he's in prison. He's not physically present. Based in mikanim lehen the posam niksuvas. Based in can step in and do kinoi on behalf of their husbands in order that they'll learn their lose their ksuva when their husbands uh, come back. Um, so the Gemara says Yachalaf Lavish Kosan. Maybe Basin can even go through and make them drink the waters. Tamadomar Veziha Ish Atishto and doesn't say Ish Ish. So no, it has to be the husband that brings her. No, the Basin can't make her drink, but the husband, if he ever come gets better or returns, um, he. He can make her drink on the force of the based in Kinoi. But my commissary, what's the base? Not do it on based on a shliach, right? If I can say, right. you know, listen, uh, you know, you're a good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah correct. Story, so I'm going to be prison. Can you keep an eye on her and, you know, correct. Being unseemly. No. Yeah, yeah, it does not think that nor although it does before the Gemara used the concept of Basin sort of is doing it on his behalf and his, his type of a zachin, etc. It does seem like it's it's a good point that it's specifically a power of Basin, like you cannot be mimane ashaliyah. So b'mai what's the debate? The same man who does the kinoi has to be the one who brings his wife. No, as long as the kinoi is done legitimately, somebody else can do can do the, the as long as the kinoi 
Amino is done by Dayton, that was legitimate, he can be the Vehezi. Tanara Banan, Asherchiste Isha, Tachas Isha, that a woman strays from her husband. Lakish Ishli Isha, Isha Ish, to say that the man and the women have to be in the same category. So for what purpose? The same way if he was blind, he can't make her drink. It's like the sense of We're trying to more and more narrow the possible category. It was hidden from the husband's eyes, which means normally he can see. So she was blind. She, it would be, it would be, she'd be excluded. The same way that if she is not, uh, you know, does not have her legs or her arms, she cannot be made to drink. That he shall make her stand. Excuse me. So she has to be able to stand. Put on her hands. The uh, So she has to have hands. Similarly, if he did not have his legs or he was lame or he did not have his arms, he would not be able to make her drink. The same way if she was mute, she should not drink. Similarly, he would not. Okay. That was the end of a fascinating parak that dealt with what type of man, what type of woman, what type of marriage is in the parsha of Sota. Let us now get to, I'm sorry, that's all. Let us get to the next parak, which is the process, the effects of the water. I mean, in a way, we've dealt with the effects of the water, but we're going to be broadening it a little, and then we're going to also be digressing significantly about Drashot. So let's take a look. I know. So the whole, the whole remainder of the, of the Amud here is a Mishnah, which is good, because we only have 12 minutes. <laughs> The same way the water checks her, it checks him. Now, who is the him? Any guesses who the him is? Right. So, you might have thought, because we said before, that the same way she has to be Menuka Miavon, he has to be Menuka Miavon, and it means the husband. So why would it check the husband? It could check the husband if, for example, he had other sexual sin in general, or it could check the husband if he slept with her after she was a Sota, maybe he'd be punished. But no, but the Gemara is going to say that it means the Boel. So when the water goes through her and makes her explode, wherever he is, he's also basically going to explode. Okay? Well, okay. To stand, blow up. Okay? It will go in and go in, so it will go into even the man, wherever he might be. Yeah, I'm sorry, wait, it says about twice? Yeah. Ubo, Ubo, Hamayim, Hamarim, not right next to each other. It says it more in different psukim. Kashem Shasur Lebaal, Kachasur Leboel. The same way, when she is a Sota, when she is a Sota, before the water checked, before the water checked her, she's forbidden to her husband, and we learn from the word Vinit Me'ah. So therefore, even if she, uh, if the husband, let's say, divorces her or dies and never went through the process, she never gets cleared, um, she can then not, she is then forbidden similarly to the man she is suspected of committing adultery with. By the way, I should say that this is also very relevant because what do you do about the case that a woman uh, and her husband are, you know, getting divorced, maybe they have a civil divorce, she goes ahead and she, um, um, you know, it's been years, she's waiting for her get, she starts, uh, you know, mar- she, she, she's living with another man and then she finally gets to get from her husband. So technically, during the time she's been living with this other man, she's been committing adultery halachically because she doesn't have a get. And now we should say Asr Labal and Asr Laboel. And now, even though she has a get, she shouldn't be allowed to marry 
this guy because this was a man that she slept with while she was married to her husband. So that's the halacha, whether she is known to have committed adultery, she's forbidden, or the man she's suspected of committing adultery with, as long as the water has not done their job, she's forbidden to the, the, to the boel the same way to the baal. The extra vav v'nitmea, uh, which one of the psukim tells us that even to the second, even to the other guy, she's tmea. Amar Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Yoshua says, So this is what Zechariah ben Akatsav used to say, this extra vav. But Rabbi, Rabbi Omer, but Rabbi says, It's not the vav that we darshan, it's the fact that it says nitmea twice. Okay, so do you learn it from a vav? Or do you learn it from an extra word? Okay, now the Gemara goes on and says, Bo biyom On that same day, Rabbi Akiva made the following drasha. Now Rashi points out that, and that the Gemara Brachos says, whenever it says Bo biyom, it's when Rabbi Eliezer ben Azariah was made the Rosh Hashiva over Rabbi Gamliel, and he basically opened up the base medrash. Rabbi Gamliel was very much of an elitist, and he said only somebody who is tocho kibaro, somebody who we know is totally pure on the inside and the outside. And the Gemara, well, let's read it in Rashi. Rashi points the Gemara says it better than I can. The Gemara says right across from where it says Vayichriyot When he was made the Nasi, and then there were many students were, were, were welcomed into the base medrash. Whose inside is not like the outside. So on that day that Rabbi Eliezer said everybody who wants to can come in. And since there were so many people, you allowed so many different voices, right? Everything became clarified. So why is it being taught here, Bobiyom? No, it's because here we're going to talk about when Rabbi Akiva makes, extra, makes like a drashot that people point out about like how significant they were. Anyway, Rashi says, nearly, where are we? Maybe the Vinitma was that day, so these are things that also were on the same day. Either way, it's going to be interesting cases. There's going to be a drusha and then like a response to a drusha. Let's take a look. Right, wait, or a comment right? on it. I mean, it's just Mashimal Dorshimi coming in. Right. But, but let's take a look. But the next debate will be more interesting about how pe- what people think about Rabbi Akiva's hermeneutics. So let's take a look. Bobio Darsh Rabbi Akiva. That's a Rabbi Akiva explicated. So this is talking about if a um, if a sheretz, like a dead rodent, falls into a pottery vessel, anything in the vessel becomes tamei. Eino omer tamei will become tamei. Ela yitma shall become tamei. Letame acherim makes other things tamei. We make yitama, right? Right or yitame, yeah, something like that. Yitama is yitame. Anyway, lime al kiko sheni shematame et shlishi. A kiko which is a sheni can make a shlishi. What does it mean? It means here you've got your Klicheris, okay? Yeah, open it up so it's open. Here, right, exactly. Here you got your Klicheris. Yeah, we'll do it with this. Which is it. Here you got your Klicheris. So if you've got a Sheret in here, okay, even in the air, it makes the Kli Tame. So the Sheret is in the Av, the Kli is a Rishon. Anything else in the Kli gets Tuma from the Kli. So if the Kli is a Rishon, the thing that gets Tuma is a Shani. That's why it's only by food. Nikola Ocha. Remember, only food can be a Shani. Okay, so that's how we learn that food becomes a Shani. Now, Rabbi Akiva says, but it doesn't say the food becomes Tame. It says Yitma shall become Tame, but he's reading as Yitama, or Yitame, can now make other things Tame. So you see that the Kika, which is a Shani, can make something else into a Shlishi. So this 
this is where the Akiva's drasha that actually uh, the real halacha is the halacha we paskin is that only truma can be a shlishi. But Rabbi Akiva is learning from this that anything can be a shlishi. The food becomes a sheni to make other things into a shlishi. Okay. Who will remove the dust from your eyes? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Shayita Omer, you used to say, <coughs> maybe it means because he was <coughs> dead at that time, so he has to be taken out of the ground and the dust removed from his eyes. I do, when I'm serious, what is that idiom who will remove the dust from his eyes? Okay? If only you were alive to see this, might be a way of, I'm serious, that might be what it means. Like, if only you could get the dust out of your eyes and see what just happened right now. Okay? Shayita Omer, you used to say, Ati that we say that, that, uh, that the fact that food can become a shlishi, even truma, is not explicit. And we only learn it from a kavachomer. And you were concerned that if it's only a kavachomer, it's not explicit, a later generation will say that food, even truma, can't be a shlishi. You were concerned about that. We don't have a puzzle that tells you it's tamay. Look what your student Rabbi Akiva just did. He brought a puzzle. You should be so happy. Okay, that was a good, good response. the same day, So this is the city of the Levi'im. So, you, so outside the city you have 2,000 Amot. That's one Pasuk that they get. Another Pasuk says, They get 1,000 Amot. Saviv. So what is it? Two thousand or one thousand? How do you reconcile it? So the um, the one thousand ama is like a you know is the uh, open fields. The apayim ama, the two thousand amot, is not what they actually get as part of their city. As the they don't get the real estate. Shabbat. That's the boundaries, the outer boundaries of their city. And we learn the idea that there's a tchum shabbat of two thousand amot. So the city limits, I guess, is what we would say. It doesn't mean it owns that they own that property, but that's the city limits, and that's where we get the idea of two thousand amot. No, it's not an additional 2,000 amot because it's just because the houses stop. The house is in the city and then you get 1,000 and then another 1,000. It's 2,000 from where the houses end. Okay, it's not 3,000. includes Yes. Okay, and it's 2,000 where the houses end. So the city limits are 2,000 amot and that's where you get the idea of Tchum Shabbat. Okay, that's what he says. Rabbi Eliezer ben Osher, Rabbi Yosef Aglili, Rabbi Eliezer, the son of Rabbi Yosef says, Elephamam Migrash, Elephamam No. A thousand amot is like empty fields. It's like, you know, nice manicure lawns or whatever it would be you know and then the, ex- the 2,000 amot the, so you know the, um, it is going to be that, that extra 1,000 amot that's going to be where you actually get fields and vineyards so you know they would plow it but you wouldn't have your field right against the city so you'd have a little bit of a break you only get 2,000 amot right? no what do you mean? Rebbe says that they get a lot of real estate that Rebbe Akiva says they don't get Rabbi Akiva says the only real estate they get is a thousand amot. The area after that, the next thousand amot, is just the definition of city limits. It's not that the city owns that real estate. And Rabbi says, no, they own that real estate and they use it for fields and vineyards. Okay, but it's still two thousand. There's no one saying it's three thousand. Correct. Correct. Rabbi Akiva explained. Azia Shemo Shavane Yisrael Tashira Hazot. La Shem Vayomru Lemur. Shane Tamagomer Lemur. Then Shem Tamagomer Lemur said Vayomru. Rumatamagomer 
more. There was a responsive reading. Like he said to be responded to or something. Like they would read the Hallel. Well, we'll see about this in the Gemara. No, be like you would read the Shema. So exactly what the debate is, we'll see in the Gemara. On that day, Eov served God not from fear, because it says, it says at the beginning, but ultimately it was out of love. Even if he will kill me, to him I will long. But still it's balanced, it's, un, it's, it's indeterminate. Will I yearn for him or not yearn for him? Now what do you mean, what's the question? The question is, is that the Ksiv is low with an Aleph. The Kree is low with a Vav. So the, well, can we, I will no longer long for him, or I will still long for him, okay? <laughs> so you don't know. Tamut Lomar, Ad Egva Lo Asir Tumatimi Meni. Even until death, my righteousness will not swerve from me. So even if I die, even if I die as a result, I will still remain steadfast, which means it's out of love. Malami Chimi Ava Asa. Amr of Yeshua, sir. Yeshua says, and this now, Brackets the, the statement similar to this above. Who will remove the dust from your eyes of Yochanan and Zakai? You used to say it was only out of fear. Your student students, Rabbi Akiva student, your grand student, he learned that he did it out of love. Like, you know, you, you should be so zochah to see this? Yeah. He disagreed with you. Right. That's a good point. Okay, to be continued tomorrow. I also want to pick up tomorrow. I want to look quickly at the Tosos who quote some interesting Yerushalmis about this uh, Mayim Vodkin or so. All right, we'll stop here.